All right, uh, before we begin our, our time of Bible study here in, in just a few minutes, I uh, want us to be able to pray together and then also just want to catch you up on a few things that are, that are happening at Emmaus. Sometimes uh, in business meeting, we'll just take time to, uh, not business meeting, deacons meeting, we'll take time to catch up, but it's good for, for us as a church family to know some things that are going on and be able to celebrate those together, so we want to be able to do that. First off, uh, prayer requests, ways we can uh, be praying as a church family. They were saying Phyllis Poe's granddaughter, who's six years old, I guess, fell and broke her arm really badly, so that'll take some. Okay, yeah, definitely. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know how many of you have met uh, Josh and Amanda Millicent, but they're a, a new couple, a new family here. I say new, relatively recent at Emmaus, and just have a really powerful testimony if you ever have a chance to sit down and listen to them, but they're, they had to take their son to the emergency room. I guess it's just right now, this afternoon? Or? Oh, wow. Okay. Thanks for that. Tomorrow we have the funeral here for Richard Slover. Uh, he, uh, his wife Debbie, and then some of you know uh, daughter Lacey Torres, Lacey and Roger. Uh, Richard passed away this last week, so the graveside is down at Fort Sill tomorrow morning, but then we're having a memorial service here tomorrow afternoon for for that family. It, it says on the website it starts at 2, but it won't actually start until 2.30. So if you knew Lacey or Roger and we're going to come by, we'll be over in the choir room for, for that service. And I uh, heard again from Stu today, little Lucy, their granddaughter. Uh, they've really, uh, I think at this point... They're just praying that the Lord would, would take her, that it's been, they've been back and forth, home to hospital, they're back in the hospital, uh, things continue to get harder, and you can tell they're, uh, they're just, it's hard to say at the end of the rope, because they've been there for a long time, but it's been a really long, really long journey for them, so pray for the McLaughlins and the Tollies, they're hurting really badly right now, so I want to remember them. All right, let's pray together, then we'll do a little bit of update, and we'll do Bible study. Father, I pray for Stu and Debbie and Mike and Ryan and, and those kids as they, uh, as they seek to spend time with Lucy right now. I know that it hurts them so much to see her in pain, and her little body going through so much, and the family and all that they've been through uh, over the years. God, I pray that you would sustain them. Uh, Stu says that they're trying to treasure every moment they have right now, uh, seeking to trust in you. And God, I pray that you would comfort them with the comfort that only can come through Christ. That he has taken on our suffering, that he has defeated death, and, and that's the only place they know to turn right now, which is the only place they can turn. 
God, I pray, I pray for that family and, and that you would have your hand on that sweet little girl uh, right now. God, I pray for uh, the Poe's granddaughter. I pray for the Millicens right now as they're seeking to care for their son. Thank you for your work and their family, God, and that you would uh, watch over them right now and what, what they're facing. Father, continuing to uh, know there's so many things going on in, in our church family, so many things that people are, are facing. And God, I pray that you would continue to use us. We, we pray, and then we pray, God, asking that you would give us a chance to proclaim and display the gospel. We want to pray not just that temporary problems be taken care of, but, God, that you would transform people's lives uh, at a deep level. God, we pray that people would hear the gospel. Uh, help us to, to pray in ways that, as you answer, that your kingdom grows uh, and the body of Christ is strengthened. And so, God, Teach us as a family uh, to know how to do that, building up one another and, and praying for the advancement of the gospel. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we, have the, we have the partnership in Calgary, Canada, and want to give you an update on that. Uh, the, they had another, what they're trying to do is they reach out in the community there in Calgary. They're going to meet in uh, a movie theater, and so they're trying to have these meals to build their core team. Uh, our team, when we were there in July, we passed out, seemed like thousands of door handers, I think we did, uh, and they had around 40 people come to their information meeting, several families commit to be a part of the core group, then they had another information meeting this past Sunday, not Sunday, I'm trying to think when that most recent one was, just a couple of days ago, and they had 50 people come to that information meeting desiring to be a part of, of this church. And so they're looking to start with their first service February, the last Sunday of February. There's an opportunity, uh, if you'd be interested in it, they're looking for a team, or it wouldn't even have to be a full team, they're just looking for people to, to come that week before they begin uh, the, the church. So it'd be really that last full week of a calendar in February. And you would be making contact with people, inviting them to that first service. So what it would probably amount to is you'd be riding a lot of public transportation uh, in, in Calgary, just going around, because it's going to be obviously middle of winter, uh, or winter's still going at that point for sure. And so you'd be going around into malls or riding public transportation, inviting people to come. So if you didn't go on the last Calgary trip and you'd be interested in this, uh, let me know. And then we'll be taking more trips next summer, but... This would be an interesting trip because you would be there the week before their first service helping them, uh, helping them get started, helping them launch. So you've got an opportunity there if that would be, be of interest to you. Um, let's see, a couple other things going on. This Sunday, we are going to have uh, a luncheon related to the prayer room ministry. I've tried to reach out to people who have been a part of the prayer room ministry, but if that's something that you're not currently involved in and you would be interested in knowing more about, let me know when we're, we're finished so we can add you to the list. We're trying to order lunch. Um, we, there's a lot that goes on with that prayer ministry, and we want to be able to celebrate that. We're going to get together this Sunday. Uh, but if you have not been involved in prayer ministry and that's something you'd like to, to get restarted with or maybe started with for the first time, the lunch is just immediately after the morning service coming this weekend. So let me know if you'd like to be a part of that and we need to get you added to the list so we can make sure we order, uh, order enough food for that. But we've got that, that coming up this weekend. Um, we're starting to work on our budget 
for, for 2018, and so I just want to say thanks for being faithful uh, in giving. You can see in the bulletin as you, as you see the, the numbers that our finances are, are really healthy, really exciting right now, but we have some big decisions to make. There's some things that need to be done to the building soon just to, to keep us up to date and then preparing for 2018. So we're in the middle of, of working on that so we can get that budget set up and, and presented to you in plenty, plenty of time to, to look at. Some of you had asked me about Compass Preschool, how that's going. Uh, it's, it's been amazing to see the group of teachers that we have working, the way that Amy and Crystal work together. I think we have around 47, 48 uh, little ones somewhere in that, in that ballpark um, who are a part of Compass. They're going to do their little Christmas program on Wednesday night, December the 6th, in, in here for us during the first half of our Wednesday worship. So you'll get to watch the, uh, the preschool Christmas program in action. So that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. They're going to come in and, and do that for us. It's just another way to be reminded of how, how that, that part of, of ministry is going. So it, it's a lot of fun. If you haven't walked down there just to see some of the painting and the updating that's been done to that area, it's, it's really neat to see the way that they're, uh, they're working on that down there. One, th- one other thing, I guess, that uh, then we'll get started with Bible study. We offer every month, just about every month, we take off July usually, but just about every month we have a membership meeting for people who are interested in, in being a part of the church. And this last, last month we had 10 people come and be a part of that membership meeting. The, the month before we had about eight but there was an interesting comment. I just wanted you to be encouraged by this. Uh, there's a young family, uh, several young families who have come to be a part of these, these membership information meetings. But there was a young family who said, you know, for most of our married life, for most of our time as a family, we've always gone to church when it was convenient, if it worked with our schedule. And they said, now we're at a place where we make our schedule work so that we can be at church. We want to be a part of worship. We want to be a part of, what, of what's happening. It matters to us. We make this a priority that, that we're gathered here at, as a church. And that just opened up for me that transformation that happens in a person's life versus I'll go if it's convenient versus I want to be a part of what's happening and I'm going to rearrange. And there's a, there's a heart change that happens, especially as a young couple when you're trying to get little ones ready in the morning, you're trying to get there, you're figuring out early days of marriage, and you say, we're going to make sure that we, that we do this. And so I just want you to be encouraged to know that God's at work uh, in, in our church. He's at work in these young families that are coming. And so uh, it's fun to see, see the way that those things are, those things are developing. But any, uh, any questions, anything you want to say uh, about Emmaus? Any updates that would be helpful for you? Just pretend we're having business meeting, even though we're not. So, yeah. Was that Levi? Was he one of those guys? Yeah, he's over there practicing with the band right now. So uh, 
I talked to him earlier, so yeah, he was over there. He was excited uh, about that. Yeah, that's really fun. All right, if you would, open your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're going to read this set of passages, then we're going to turn over to the book of Acts and read a set of passages, and then we're going to get into uh, the topic tonight uh, about the clarity of Scripture. Is, is the Bible clear? So Deuteronomy 30, Moses is speaking to the people about the covenant that God is going to make with them, and this is an interesting passage because it ties into our Joshua study on Sunday morning. Quick advertisement about Joshua. If you weren't here this last Sunday morning, there are notebooks and reading bookmarks uh, that you can pick up on this back table. I'd love for you to take one of those and use that in your personal Bible study time. But this passage here in Deuteronomy 30 ties into that idea of the covenant, but it also matches up with the topic of of what we're going to cover tonight. So let's start in verse 11 of Deuteronomy 30. It says, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Verse 15, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over to the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven, this is verse 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So that passage is an important background to the book of Joshua, but specifically there in verse 11, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Um, It's not way up in the heavens, it's not beyond the sea, it's right there in front of you. Okay, with that in mind, turn to the book of Acts in the New Testament. And I should have told you where in Acts. How about Acts chapter 4? Just anywhere in Acts. Pick your, pick your favorite Bible verse in the book of Acts. Uh, no. Acts chapter 4. So here's something really fun uh, about the Bible, the way that the, the canon, the structuring of, of the scriptures is, is set up. You have... The first five books there of the law, and then you have Joshua following immediately after, showing this is the outcome of 
God's plans and God's promises in the law. So you have the law followed by Joshua. You can find three almost similar parallels in the New Testament, the way the New Testament is set up. You have the Gospels followed by Acts. You have Paul's letters followed by Hebrews. And you have all the general letters, general epistles in the end of the Bible followed by Revelation. In every one of those cases, the book that comes right after, it's almost like it wraps back around and summarizes what came before and shows you, and this is the implications for it. So the law is followed by Joshua. Joshua ties into the law and then shows you, and this is what it should look like based on that. Acts ties into the Gospels and then says, and this is what that will look like. Hebrews ties into Paul's epistles and says, if you're having trouble making sense of those, read this because it shows you the outcome of that. Revelation ties into those general epistles because so much of those final epistles is about uh, problems living in the Roman world. How do you navigate good and evil? How do you navigate false teachers? And Revelation says, and here's how you can handle that. So one of the ways that the Bible is set up is you have these core sections and then you have one book that follows those core sections that helps you make sense of what has come before. So what Joshua does for the first five books of the Old Testament, Acts does for the first four books of the New Testament. And you have this amazing uh, parallel that set up the way the Old Testament starts and the way the New Testament starts. So you get here to the book of Acts, and I want you to see what happens in verse 13. Because there's a tie here back to what we were talking about. Verse 13 Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized they had been with Jesus. So what we're talking about tonight is the clarity of Scripture. On the top of your half sheet of paper, if you've got one of those coming in, week one, is the Bible divine? Did it come from God? Week two, is the Bible inspired? Did God's Spirit use human beings to write this book so that we're able to receive it as the Word of God? Week three, is the Bible true? If it came from God, therefore it is true. Is the Bible sufficient? Do we need another revelation? Do we need something else from God to know Him? Finally, it does no good if it's divine, inspired, true, sufficient if you can't understand it. So we have to ask the question, is the Bible clear? Is it able to be understood? And what would be the common across-the-board answer to that question? It would probably be no. Uh, You ask the average person, well, I say that. This may be a stretch, but go with me. You ask the average person, why do you not read the Bible? I think one of the most common answers is, I just can't understand it. I tried one time, I tried to make sense of it, and... I just, just don't understand how it works. I don't understand what, what's going on there. Uh, you ask a lot of Christians, why do you not read the Bible? It's just not important to you. No, it's very important to me. I, I think it's true. I think it's the Word of God. I would love to read it, but I don't read it most of the time. Why? Because I just don't understand it. I don't, I don't see what's happening here. I don't, I'm not able to follow along. What do you think makes the Bible hard to understand? What, maybe your personal life? Maybe talking to other people. Why do people find the Bible hard to understand? And there's obviously no right or wrong answers. We're just starting to talk together now. I wonder if that's just the reality. It's just big. 
you know, you look at it and you think, I haven't read anything that long in a really long time, <laughs> you know, and so it, the size of it feels, feels overwhelming, especially when you see some of those old school big Bibles that you, you know, you could get. They, they really feel overwhelming. Yeah, that's right, yeah. That's why the open and point method, you know, it just doesn't work. It's, you can't understand it when you do that. Yeah, Dr. Harvey? So Dr. Harvey's saying part of what makes the Bible hard to understand is if you're not coming from the perspective of having a relationship with the Lord, uh, it, it's not going to make sense because uh, in a sense your eyes aren't open to it. You haven't, your heart's not open to it. <laughs> yeah, you just, you see words and you think, I speak English, and I still don't know, you know, <laughs> what that means. Or you run into, uh, you run into names, and uh, Hilburn was trying to teach the kids uh, Mephibosheth or something like that on Sunday night, and so <laughs> we couldn't pronounce it, so we sure couldn't teach the kids to say, uh, and the little lesson that he was teaching required him like six or seven times to say Mephibosheth, uh, so, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, what do you do at that point? Like, how do you how do you make sense of it? So, what else? What else? Uh, who was? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you think I can? I could go. I could go research this maybe. And so, uh, I know that I know this is. If you follow any sort of uh, Christian blogs, which. God bless you if you try to do that and stay out of the, the mire. But there's a, uh, a gentleman named Eugene Peterson who has written some things. He got some really bad press lately, and then it's two sides to every story type thing. But Eugene Peterson is known best probably for uh, writing the message. And the message, just to be straightforward, is not a translation of Scripture as we would think of a translation where you're taking the words and the thoughts and you're laying them out. But... Eugene Peterson gets some bad press over the message if you don't know the backstory uh, behind it. So the message is probably what we would call more of a paraphrase of Scripture. And the story of, of the message is that in his first pastorate in Baltimore in the early 1960s, this was the time of the riots in, in Baltimore. It was a very difficult place. He was pastoring a church there. And he started uh, a men's Bible study. And he sat down with the guys to study the book of Galatians. And he said they were just completely glazed over. Men's Bible study, these guys were showing up, but they weren't into it. They were glazed over the whole time. Nobody was following him. So after a couple of weeks, he went home and he said, I'm just going to rewrite this in a way that I think these guys would be able to make sense of. And so he did, and he said the next week, everything changed. 
So he went home and he rewrote Galatians chapter 2 in words that he thought they'd be able to understand, came back, and from that developed an entire paraphrase of, of the Bible. And he said he didn't write this intending it to be another translation. He wrote this because there were a group of men who wanted to know God's word and they were glazed over because they just couldn't make sense of, of what was going on there. And so it was more of his running commentary, his running paraphrase. And he said, from that moment, for these men, God's word just opened up to them in a new way because they were able to, able to make sense of it. And so some of that is just meeting, meeting people where they are so that they are able to, uh, to understand it. And something like the message, which we would say, it's not a translation you want to study out of it. But it's not designed for that. That's not why he wrote it. He wrote it for a men's Bible study in the 1960s in Baltimore, and it's become this Bible that, that people access, but you have to kind of understand the original purpose. So the Bible, we have to admit, is difficult to understand. What do you think is hardest to understand? If you were, able, if you were picking and you were saying, this part I just don't get, or this part... I think is hardest to understand. What what stands out to you? Did you say numbers? <laughs> yeah. I think you could take a pick from uh, Numbers or Leviticus. They probably go. You know, it's a pretty it's a pretty big tie there. But yeah, those core Old Testament, especially when you get the list of names and places and. Say, say that again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that may play into it. Uh, I, your background certainly plays into it. There's no doubt about that. That we all come with glasses on, you know, filters on that we bring, and I think that sometimes, it, it, there's no doubt, it complicates it. Or, worse yet, it causes us to view it in a way that's just not, just not accurate. It makes it hard to understand. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. What else? What do you find hard, hard to understand in the Bible? Job, yeah. Just the intensity of that, of that story, yeah. Right, you have to slow down a little bit and figure out what is going on here. What what do these words do these words mean? <laughs> 